wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome back, folks, to Wrestle Rant Radio here today for July 6th, 2017. Big weekend coming up, the inaugural Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. That is actually a pay-per-view name. They're going with it, but it's presented by Raw on Sunday night. It's a pretty stacked card on paper. We got Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar, Universal Championship match, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Ambulance match, Women's Title Defended, Cruiserweight. We got a 30-minute Iron Man tag team title match. It's going to be a good show, I'm feeling. We're talking the entire event this coming Sunday. When I say we, we're bringing back an old guest from last year. We got Sal, at the Wrestle Guy on the Twitter, better known as the 2017 Royal Rumble game winner. Sal, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, and I totally didn't even realize that. I totally forgot about being the Royal Rumble winner. How can I forget that? <laughs> so you're number 23, and that makes your favorite Randy Orton, right, for the year? Yeah, that, that makes my favorite Randy Orton, even though, I mean, I'm a, I've am been an Orton fan for a while, but I wouldn't say he's my all-time favorite, but yeah. I'm okay with Orton. Yeah, Ord's all right. I feel you there. He's not my all-time favorite either, but he's definitely in that uh, upper echelon of favorite guys from the past number of years, especially right now. That uh, I mean, he hasn't really been doing anything you know, yeah. thrilling in, in quite a while, especially in this feud of the gender. But we'll talk all about that in the SmackDown review. Like I said, we got great balls of fire coming up on Sunday. We'll save the predictions for later on the show. We'll start with Raw on Monday night. Um, from July 3rd, 2017, pretty decent show overall. In my opinion, one of the better episodes of Raw in recent memory, building up Sunday show. We kicked off the evening with Enzo Mori and, and we're just talking about Big Cass and their match coming up on Sunday, addressing him. And I've said it a number of times before, I'm not really a fan of the split happening at all. I think they should have stayed together for a little while longer. Um, but this promo for what it was was really, really good for Enzo. I thought they built up the match. Just very, very well, and the brawl afterwards that ensued backstage was great. Uh, so what were your thoughts on the promo from Enzo at the start of Monday Night Show, and uh, what's your anticipation level going into this match on Sunday, despite it only really being three weeks old? Um, well, Enzo Enzo is also money in the mic, so, you know, he, he's going to cut a good promo regardless, and I felt, and this is actually, I, I feel like this promo was from the heart, just because, yeah, they're in a feud, but this is where Enzo started. Like, Enzo was built off of Enzo and Cass. Like, that's where he started NXT, and I, I felt like, you know, it really hits home that, you know, this rivalry is happening, and it's earlier than he thought. Yeah, exactly. And and, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's earlier than they thought that he broke up, of course, before he even went into the tag team title. Yeah, exactly. At least he mentioned that, too. I'm very happy they brought that up, not in this promo, but in the promo from last week that Enzo had said that they had broken up a lot earlier than they probably should have, considering they never won a single set of tag team titles, whether it be on Raw, NXT, or wherever. 
Uh, but they're making the most of it. I mean, again, like I said, I'm not a fan of the split happening. I think it should have been saved for a lot later down the line. But considering it's happening right now, and they only did the split two weeks ago, I think they're making the most of what they have. And Enzo especially has really shined. I think Big Cass, he's a good talker. It doesn't really seem like, and this has always kind of been his issue, it doesn't really seem like he's all that confident on the mic. Like, he can speak, but it doesn't. it's hard to buy into what he's saying. So hopefully that kind of... I don't know, he improves upon that in the near future. But he does have the look. He can, you know, he's decent enough in the ring where he can probably do well on his own beyond this feud with Enzo. But yeah, Enzo especially, like I said, the guy's money in the mic. I thought he did a great job in addressing Big Cass in this promo. Coming across as genuine, and now he's kind of over the fact that he's been betrayed, and now he's angry at his former tag team partner. So I thought this was a great way of kicking up the show. It's very, uh, very rare we have Enzo and Cass in the opening segment. So I thought that kind of kicked off the show on a refreshing note. Uh, from there, we had our first match of the evening with Sasha Banks and Bayley taking on Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, of course. On Sunday at the pay-per-view, it's Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. Sasha Banks getting an ounce of momentum by beating Bliss in this match, forcing her to tap out via submission. Bayley getting injured halfway through by Nia Jax. I don't know if that sets up a match for Sunday or not. I guess we'll find out in the days to come if they added the last second. But Banks is in the driver's seat heading into the Women's Championship match on Sunday. Now, so now two questions for you, uh, for, for you here, Sal. Your thoughts on the match itself, as well as what's going on with Bailey right now. I mean, we've talked about multiple times in regards to how she's been quote-unquote buried, you know, mishandled, ruined, whatever, you know, however you want to call her. Uh, what were your thoughts on how Bailey was used here specifically? She got, of course, in storyline, hurt halfway through. Do you think that kind of plays into a potential feud between Sasha and Bailey down the road? Um, I well, two things. I'll answer the match. You know, the match itself. I think it did the job in like making Sasha, you know, believable to win the title on Sunday. Um, I'll get to that my prediction later on that. But um, with the Bailey thing, um, I don't know if they're just not like got soured on Bailey just because the way she's been booked in the last month, after, especially after Mania, because. Going to Mania, she was red hot with them, but and then the way she didn't book afterwards is just awful, especially with her feud with Alexa Bliss. They made her look like a joke in that kind of thing. Like she couldn't go extreme. Um, but I don't know if this is for bigger things down the line with this tease because maybe they do have Sasha Bailey sometime down the road, and Bailey that rejuvenates her character, or they just like I said, they just soured on her and just gonna kind of continue to be this way. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's really hard to say there's a lot of polarizing opinions and how she should be used going forward. I mean, I think as of right now, as a heel, I mean, turning her heel is not the answer. I mean, for me, maybe for many other people and, the and to, you know, reaching the point where they've been ruined or buried, whatever, they turn them heel. But Bailey's a special kind of character that war that might not work right now anyway, maybe on later on down the road for right now anyway. I don't think it's going to work. But um, you got to destroy her first before she can be built back up as the ultimate underdog, which she kind of started out as in NXT, which they have yet to really, you know, uh, come across. She has yet to really come across as the ultimate underdog on the main roster. So if they can tap into that down the road, whether it be in a Banks feud or whatever, uh, well, you know, going into SummerSlam or with Alexa Bliss again or Nia Jax, hopefully they can get onto that down the road. But obviously the focus right now is on Sasha and Alexa, and before we move on to, and we'll talk about this, you wanted to talk about this specifically, with SummerSlam plans, uh, with Nakamura and AJ, we'll talk about them in the SmackDown review, but uh, of course, something that's been rumored for well over just about a year now, the going into WrestleMania didn't happen, now people thought it would happen at SummerSlam, a better fitting venue, considering they first faced off two years ago at the Barclays Center in 2015, but Sasha Banks and Bayley had been at one point believed 
to be a staple for the SummerSlam pay-per-view for the Raw Women's Championship. We all figured Sasha by this point would have turned on Bayley, setting up a match between the two for the pay-per-view. At this point in time, and I mean, again, we'll talk about Sasha and Alexa on Sunday and, you know, momentarily in the predictions later on. But do you think as of right now, those plans have been scrapped and there's no plans whatsoever to turn Sasha heel for a feud with Bayley going forward in the immediate future? It's hard to say just because it seems like they're all in with Alexa Bliss as the top woman heel on Raw. And then if you make Sasha heel, that kind of takes that, that's going to take away from one or the other. Either Sasha's going to get her full potential as a heel, and Alexa or Alexa Bliss won't get her full potential. It's kind of like how they had Charlotte as the top woman. Um, so I do think plans have been scrapped um, of Bailey and Sasha. I'm not saying it's going to be forever scrapped. It could happen, but. Especially because if they had any plans for a big match at SummerSlam, I don't think they would have did a throwaway match on Raw just out of nowhere before WrestleMania even happened. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I remember that. It was a couple weeks before Mania. They just put him out there randomly. They had a 5-10 minute match. It was hardly anything memorable. But yeah, I mean, again, at that point, it seemed like... And we had said months in advance that it would have made sense to do Bailey and Banks and Mania, but they flip-flopped the title so many times heading into WrestleMania. It wouldn't even matter anyway. And uh, they weren't ready to turn her. Like you said, Charlotte was the top heel at that point. Alexa's kind of taking over that spot on Raw. So I have no idea what would happen to Alexa if um, they put the belt on Banks on Sunday and then they did Bailey and Banks at, at SummerSlam. I have no idea what happens to Alexa. So, again, we'll talk about that momentarily. But moving on, though, uh, for the millionth time, I think we had Cedric Alexander, Noam Dar, unless that's a typo, and uh, Cedric faced someone else instead. But I'm pretty sure we had that same match again, which lasted... I don't even remember what happened. We've seen this match so many times, I couldn't even tell you what went down. But uh, what do you watch 205 Live Cell? Because there's a lot of people who watched that at the beginning that kind of quickly soured on it and have tuned out. And uh, if so, or even if not, what are your thoughts on the never-ending rivalry between Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar? What do we have to do to finally escape this damn feud? Uh, well, first, the 205 Live, I do not watch 205 Live. I mean, I've seen episodes, but I, like I don't watch it on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Like I do, wrong, like I do, wrong SmackDown. But Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar, like it's just been happening for so long, and it's you know a lot of the cruiserweight division things. Like they got to do a lot of work just because I I, I kind of don't say it's my bathroom break, but I, I kind of compare the cruiserweights to how the women were treated like two three years ago, like how they like that's kind of what the cruiserweights are right now. Like people don't just aren't invested in it and. They need to make some changes, and, you know, they're trying with adding main roster guys like Titus O'Neil to the, like, in, in the mix, um, and some of the main roster guys, but, like I said, it just doesn't pique my interest as of now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry. And then, um, but Cedric Alexander, I don't know if they're waiting, but I think Cedric Alexander is a viable opponent for Neville in the future, and I definitely match I would like to see, just because... I don't know who's this. Like, I thought Austin Aries was going to take the title off him at one point, but it didn't happen. So I don't even know who the next biggest threat to him is. Just because Neville is just so dominant and kind of overshadowed everyone that's in the Cruiserweight division right now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I think Cedric would be the best bet to take that title off of Neville. If Akira doesn't do it on Sunday, and I don't think he will, but again, we'll get to that momentarily. Um, Cedric, for anyone, I mean... Those that have solely watched him on Raw and 205 Live might not know how good he actually is, but for those that followed him either in Ring of Honor or even saw him in the CWC, the matches he had there, uh, the first round, he only lasted two rounds, but that second round match with Kota Ibushi was one of the best matches of 2015 or 2016 in WWE. Really, anywhere in wrestling, the match was fucking phenomenal. 
Um, they're not really utilizing him to his full potential, especially in this feud of Noam Dar that has just been going on seemingly forever. So hopefully it ends soon. Like you said, maybe they're just killing time before they put him in the Cruiserweight title picture in time for SummerSlam. That would be cool, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, we had Miz TV up next with Dean Ambrose, Heath Slater, and Rhino all interrupting the Miz, claiming to get want their shot at the Intercontinental Championship. The Miz just talking about the LeVar Ball segment, the Ball family segment from the week before, addressing the controversy but not really doing so, obviously, with everything else that people were talking about on social media. But despite that, the segment was all right. Set up Miz and Heath Slater for the IC Championship uh, immediately after the commercial break. Miz still in the street clothes. Match happens. Fun match. Miz retains the title. And then on Sunday, we get Miz and Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship one more time. So, Sal, your thoughts on the uh, one-off IC Championship match on Sunday between Slater and Miz. And, again, with Miz and Ambrose, are you waiting for the end of this feud as much as I am right now? Um, well, I, in regards to Heath, I'm glad they're using at least, at least they're using Heath Slater, and at least they're using, um, both Alex and Curtis Axel, so like, in this, it, like, it's better than them not being off TV at all, and it's something for them, um, I think this Heath Slater thing is just a one-off, I don't see it going anywhere after Ambrose, like, I don't see him doing a Miz and Heath chasing the belt, um, afterwards, um, but and, regarding Ambrose, I am waiting for this to end, and, um, hopefully it does end after this Sunday, just because, they shoot it so much on SmackDown that right in the brawl they shoot it. And it's been like probably like five months just in 2017 alone of them shooting. And it's it's quite annoying. Yeah, by this point it's run its course. I mean, they work well together in the ring, on the mic and whatnot. But it's time to move on to fresher feuds and fresh opponents and whatnot. So hopefully that will be the case after the pay-per-view on Sunday. And uh, regards to Slater and Rhino, yeah, I think they play their roles well here, uh, very well, with Slater, you know, coming close to winning the championship and just falling short. And, uh, yeah, just kind of succeeded in what it set out to do. So good stuff all around here and setting up the IC Championship match for Sunday. Uh, speaking of Sunday, a match kind of conspicuous by its absence on the card is Goldust versus R-Truth. We almost got the match last week on Raw. didn't come to fruition. On this week's Raw, we had Goldust premiering the Shattered Truth movie, uh, that went all of two minutes before being interrupted by our truth And just a, kind of a quick segment. Uh, two guys that didn't really mean anything at all. Obvi- didn't obviously mean anything whatsoever. Uh, no more than two months ago. But now our truth I still couldn't care less for. But Goldust has really kind of rejuvenated his once stale character with his heel turn. And bringing back the Goldust of old from 20 years ago. Uh, just without the gay elements and whatnot. But it's the character itself has been great so far from what we've seen of it in the past few weeks. And this, would you would think, seemingly set up a match for Sunday. But again, as of this recording right now, as we speak, nothing has been formally announced. So maybe we will see a match of some sort on Sunday. But uh, has this feud for you, Cell, exceeded expectations the same way it has for me between R-Truth and Goldust? Oh, um, man, it has exceeded expectations. Like, if they, but I think it has to do with Goldust going back to his old gimmick. Like, if they had Goldust, Goldust in the gimmick he was with, you know, with R-Truth being that jokey character, but as a heel, I, it wouldn't. I wouldn't care, honestly. And it's just weird to think that we have two almost 50-year-old guys um, shooting on Raw. But um, it's, I think this is Bogus' last one, and maybe he pitched the idea to go back to his old character just because he wanted to do it one more time. But I'm more interested in Goldust and Archer than you are. Speaking of Goldust, too, I was going to ask you about this before, then I forgot, and now I just remember what I was going to ask in regards to uh, The Miz, and as you mentioned, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel are kind of getting their shot on TV as part of the uh, the Miz-tourage, the entourage, as they're being called, which is cool, and I, it's a cool idea on paper, in my opinion, just with 
Bo Dallas, who I have no idea why he hasn't already been paired with Bray Wyatt, but that's neither here nor there right now. Uh, and then Curtis Axel, they're fine talents at school. They're finally being utilized in some meaning in a, in a meaningful manner. But um, I don't know. I would not put those two guys in that in, in that faction. It seems like they don't have the same chemistry with the Miz as Miz did, even with you know for as long you know for as short lived as it was with like the Spirit Squad from like two years or from uh, you know a couple of uh, months ago from late 2016. I thought that would have been a great faction. Or if you put, you know, I know Miz and Ziggler are very good friends behind the scenes, as is Zack Ryder. Putting those guys together would be cool. It seems very random right now with Ziggler and Ryder on SmackDown, Miz on Raw. But um, it doesn't really seem like those guys have chemistry. Now, speaking of Goldust, do you think it would be cool to see Goldust and Miz mix it up as the Hollywood A-listers? Or do you think they're kind of better off doing their own thing right now? Um, It would be cool to see, but I think... For Goldust's sake, I think he's better off he be alone, just because I think if you put Goldust with Miz, Miz is just going to overshadow him. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and um, like I said, it works with both Dallas and Curtis Axel somewhat, but it's an odd pairing. But what else are those two guys really going to do? Like, they're not going to they're gonna have no interest as single competitors. They tried it in the past, and it just went nowhere. Um, Curtis Axel looked like he was going to be a next breakout star, but they kind of started on that really, really fast. So, yeah, no, I think Bo Dallas and um, Curtis Axel are just about damaged good at this point, unless, you said, unless, like you said, they pair Bo Dallas with Bray Wyatt. That's the only place I can see Bo Dallas next. Yeah, like you said, you hit the nail right on the head of the uh, with the term damaged goods. That's exactly what these two are. More so Axel than, than Dallas, who only really debuted three years ago. But in those three years, they've done nothing with him. I mean, he came in on a hot debut. I mean, a somewhat hot debut. He was undefeated. He was getting over. And then they broke the streak, and he hasn't been the same since. And uh, he really hasn't done anything of note whatsoever. And they've tried to make him serious and goofy and then going back and forth. And nothing ever really works. And with Axel, like you said, the guy was an IC champion four years ago. And now he's doing really nothing, and he hasn't done anything since. They tried to turn him babyface. That one nowhere. He was never on Raw. It's just by this point, I've given up all hope on them, you know, being pushed to the, you know, to where they deserve to be at. But in this role, they seem like they're okay. So hopefully, they can kind of uh, form chemistry with the Miz over time. So also on Raw, we had a rematch from last week: Seth Rollins taking on Kurt Hawkins, uh, making short work of the uh, the Star Maker, the Star Factory, as it calls himself. Before Seth Rollins cut a promo on Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, uh, Bray Wyatt retorted later on in the night to further their feud. I honestly could not tell you anything either of these guys said um, just because it seems like we hear the same thing every single week, and I like Rollins a lot. Bray Wyatt's good, but we've talked about this a million times on social media, and people have kind of hit this uh, you know, hit this home for the past number of months now that Bray Wyatt just seems like no one cares. I mean, he, he, people still put up their phones for his entrance and whatnot, but... This feud really does not have any juice at all. I mean, the Orton feud sucked. I mean, this this feud with Rollins hasn't been bad. It's just really boring and flat, and there's no real reason as to why they're feuding in the first place. So, so your thoughts on, uh, before we get to the actual prediction of their match on Sunday, did anything that either of these guys did on Monday night between Rollins and Bray Wyatt get you any more excited for their upcoming match than you were before, if at all? It, it did not. Like, like you said, Bray Wyatt, like, Bray Wyatt's rivalries, no matter who it is, it seems like he's all the same. He is, comes out of nowhere, attacks them, makes his target, cuts the promo on screen for three weeks, and they have their match. That's kind of what the Bray Wyatt teams are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, they, I don't know, they need to do something more than just Bray Wyatt cutting like that. He's, a, I don't know, a quote-unquote god or saying he has the whole world in his hand. Like They have to do more than 
just to have me invested. Like, and I thought Rollins and him, Rollins of all people couldn't like make me interested in the shoot. So they, they have to either A, do something with Bray Wyatt or B, change up, maybe make him face. Again, like I thought they were in the last year, then he got injured, unfortunately. And, but ever since he came back, like about a year ago, it just hasn't, I don't know, the last time I was really, really invested with Bray Wyatt was probably about like two years, like, Two years ago now, like right after his shoot with um, Faker at Mania, then going into that summer, but then after that, it kind of just soured up, right? Yeah, and even then, I mean, it's been a recurring pattern. You really, if you really go back and look at every feud this guy has had over the past two, I would say even three years, I think it really started the downhill, the downset, the, the descent with uh, Bray Wyatt really started with that feud with John Cena. And I'm not saying it's Cena's fault, but the matches weren't really that good. None of the matches were ever really that great. And then you go beyond that. And he had one feud after another, and another. Nothing ever really changed. I mean, like you said, he he attacks someone out of nowhere. He cuts all these creepy promos, and the delivery of these promos are awesome. And then he shows up in the desert and all this other weird shit, and and you know the compound and these random houses, and it looks cool, but you have no idea what he's saying, and nothing ever that he says ever really matters because he ultimately loses in the end anyway. I mean, even if he wins on Sunday, you all we all know that he's going to lose the the final match with Seth Rollins, uh, which is probably for the better because Seth Rollins is a bigger deal than Bray Wyatt. But still, it's just it's the same thing all the time. And like you said, I feel like, and I've said this before too, the only real way to possibly I'm not saying it's the only way that it, it will definitely happen, but it could possibly salvage Bray Wyatt, as you had said is to turn in baby phase. So maybe at some point, hopefully soon, I mean, that happened a year and a half ago, they teased it, then he got hurt, and he came back, and nothing really changed. And he's been the same something, guy for the past seven months. Something I would like to see, I mean, it's, um, if Bray Wyatt does turn face, maybe, I mean, maybe not throw him right into the main event, but maybe he has him, like, go for the IC title against Miz, if Miz retains on Sunday. Like, that could be something interesting going into SummerSlam, just because Miz, can cut a good promo, and I think Bray as a face would be something, you know, really a fresh feud going for both. That would be cool. It would be a fresh feud. Like you said, I think it'd be great for Miz. I mean, again, we'll talk about the predictions later on. I, I hate to kind of go back and forth, but I know we'll talk about SmackDown in, in between, but yeah, with, with the Miz, it seems like even if he does retain on Sunday, which I think we all agree that he probably will, there aren't any obvious people that I see him working with next. Like, even Apollo Crews, we saw that feud last year. Miz beat him three or four times. So, to do that feud again would kind of be... Uh, wait, it would be like Miz and Ambrose again. We just saw it on SmackDown. Why do it again on Raw? And beyond him, I mean, what, Kalisto? I mean, we've seen that before, and Kalisto is, doesn't really have much momentum. So, um, yeah, but Bray Wyatt would work. And the only, really, the only real issue you run into there is that there's no... Okay, I'm not going to say no, but there's a very few, um, there's a very small amount of credible heels on Raw. I mean, you have Brock Lesnar, you have Samoa Joe, who are both feuding right now, two heels, but Samoa Joe is more of an anti-hero in this situation, I would assume. You have Braun Strowman, and that's great. Miz, we all know, I mean, he should be above the mid-card level, but he's not on Raw. It is what it is. And then you have Bray Wyatt, um, and then you would obviously, in, in turning Bray Wyatt, you would have to turn someone in return. I, get, I mean, again, this is even more unrealistic, but you could turn Roman in his place and then turn, you know, have Wyatt as a face, Roman as a heel. We kind of saw shades of that when they first mixed it up about a year ago, like you said, when Wyatt first uh, teased turning face, and that would have been a cool dynamic to go down, but they didn't do it. Or you could turn Finn Balor. I mean, that's a whole other thing. We've talked about that before with maybe the Balor Club, 
but it looks like they might be turning Gallows and Anderson face from what I've seen on like main event and shit. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. It's a, you got to change a whole lot of things in order to accomplish a, a Bray Wyatt face turn. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, a Wyatt Miz feed would be good. So we'll see what they do with Wyatt coming out of great balls of fire. But as it stands right now, the, the fan intrigue, the fan level anticipation going into that match is very low. No one really cares, and it's hard to blame people because WWE has given us zero incentive to care about who comes out on top in that match on Sunday. Uh, but one feed that has been awesome, like I said, Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe, these guys have been fucking killing it over the past month since Extreme Rules. Every single week it's something new, and every single week it's something awesome. This week, no exception, we had a sit-down, side-by-side interview between Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe in separate rooms, hosted by Michael Cole. Uh, The interview itself was awesome. Samoa Joe is at his best when he's calm, but he's still angry. He was just balls to the wall, out of his mind on this show. But it was was justified because he wanted to get his hands on Brock Lesnar after what's happened in recent weeks. And he couldn't do so because he was being separated by security. And and instead of giving us a full-on physical brawl between the two, WWE held off until the pay-per-view. They they kept them, you know, uh, apart via security. Joe looked like a badass. Brock Lesnar looked like a cocky asshole champion. This was great. Again, nothing different from what we've seen in the past month in regards to how well-received this segment was. Uh, So your thoughts, Asel, on the feud so far between Brock and Samoa Joe leading up to this point. uh, What did this interview accomplish for you in terms of getting you even more hyped for their match at the pay-per-view coming up? Oh, no, I'm fully invested in Joe Lesnar, and this just um, made me even more hyped just because the interview aspect, you know, you had Joe getting more and more angry throughout the interview to the point where he actually got up and wanted to go find Lesnar, and I like how they teased they were going to brawl, and Lesnar just, like, making snark comments in the back, come get me, come get me, while he was being held down, but Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar, I think it's going to be a phenomenal match on Sunday, and I, I, this is probably the most excited I've been for a Lesnar match in quite some time, just because, and I... I mean, I hope I'm not disappointed, but most of the Lesnar matches have just been more of the same lately. Um, you know, the last time I, I mean, I was excited going into Orton Lesnar last year, but it, it overall disappointed. So I hope that's not the case. But I think this is uh, this is a fresh feud that we needed, and I'm glad they went with Joe every time. I'm glad they went with Joe winning that fatal five way. Yeah, it's a weird thing with Brock because um, with Brock and his matches, especially over the past year and a half, it seems like when people are excited for a Brock match, it falls flat. Like the Orton match, which was not that good at all. It was eight minutes long and ended in a weird way. It was just, it was bizarre. It was obviously not living up to the lofty expectations of fans. And then when we're not all that excited, I could really not have given two shits about Brock and Goldberg at WrestleMania going in. But then for the five minutes, the four or five minutes they were given, it was fucking great. So the thing with Brock is that I guess we have to set our expectations low. But it's hard to set our expectations low with this feud because it's been so good so far. I guess the worst thing they can do is have Samoa Joe get squashed in two minutes. But at this point, I doubt that's the case. If they're building up, they're investing this much in a Samoa Joe and then beating the shit out of Brock Lesnar every single week, I highly, highly doubt they're going to have him be beaten decisively in a matter of minutes. So again, we'll talk about that with the Great Balls of Fire predictions, but... The feud's been great. Um, just excellent work by these two. This was another awesome way of furthering the feud and getting people hyped for their upcoming match. Uh, we had Neville and Mustafa Ali. Neville making short work of him. Pretty basic stuff. Uh, Finn Balor and Cesaro for the first time ever in WWE. Very, very good match. The crowd was going crazy for this towards the end. They love Balor. They love Cesaro. They love the Hardys. Sheamus and Cesaro are great. You had Samson out there. So 
kind of killing two birds with one stone here and furthering the feuds between Balor and Elias Sampson, and uh, as well as the feud between the Hardy Boys and Sheamus and Cesaro on this show. Via Balor beating Cesaro with the distraction finish at ringside, Balor scores the victory. Uh, Balor still not confirmed for the show on Sunday. Again, I assume they get the kickoff show slot. I mean, I guess that's already gone to the cruiserweights. But uh, still, I guess we get Balor on the pay-per-view in a quick match with the Drifter, or something happens. Um, but yeah, this was good. So, uh, Sel, your thoughts on Balor being absent as of right now from the Great Balls of Fire show and the match itself between Balor and Cesaro on Raw? Uh, Balor being absent is kind of weird to me. Like, I don't know if they're, like, cause Balor is so over with the crowd and just, it's kind of hard to ruin Balor. And I'm not saying to ruin him just because they have, like, since returned, like, you know, he's, but he hasn't found that meaningful feud that people are waiting for. Maybe at SummerSlam they find that guy they're in the feud with, but Balor, um, I think he will be in the car. I think maybe it'll be a last minute announcement or maybe like something goes down. Maybe they just it's an unannounced match and they just have a match because WWE does that all the time. So, um, But regarding the Balor and our match, um, they're both good competitors and I thought the match was very good and I, I think the atmosphere of like having uh, the Hardy Boys involved and the Drifter, I, I think it Overall, came out very well. Yeah, the odd thing with Balor right now is that he's been kind of directionless. Really, since he came back three months ago, they have yet to really do anything of note with the guy. And the plans keep changing. Of course, it looked like we were getting Balor and Bray, Bray Wyatt, um, at one of the pay-per-views before Braun Strowman got hurt, so that was axed. And then it looked like we were getting Balor and Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire, which I assume, or which I had read, was the original plan before they went with Samoa Joe. And it looks like that's been axed, too. And now I'm reading that Balor and Lesnar was playing for later on this year. And now they might be doing Lesnar and Roman ahead of time. So Balor and Lesnar might not even happen. So Balor's kind of getting fucked one month after the other with all these big matches getting axed. And now he's feeding with the Drifter, of all people. Which, I would say it's the worst thing, but it's really not. They've been using, they've been utilizing the Drifter surprisingly well since he got called up. He has yet to lose, I think, a one-on-one match via pinfall. So that, that's good for him and how well they've been using him, shockingly. And I assume he gets added to the show at the last minute. But, yeah, here's hoping going into SummerSlam they have something more of note between the two, or for, for him, uh, at least going into SummerSlam. And I think it was Rollins or I forgot who had said it in an interview, but someone had said, I think it was Seth Rollins who had said it would be pretty incredible to get a Shield and Balor Club match. Um, and I know many people, I know you've even talked about it, many other people have yeah. talked about it too. And that would be a killer match to get for that pay-per-view. It'd very much be SummerSlam worthy. How you arrive at that point uh, with Roman, Dean, and Ambra, and Dean and Rollins all in separate feuds right now and Balor not having nothing to do with the club, I have no idea. But I guess you could work something out where it, it would work out that way. But regardless, um, yeah, very good match. I assume we'll get Balor and the Drifter on the pay-per-view. Uh, in the main event, we had Braun Strowman hoping, uh, uh, hosting an open challenge against Apollo Crews, who accepted the challenge on behalf, or uh, Tedros O'Neill did on, on behalf of Apollo Crews. Match was all right. Crews got some offense in. The uh, Obviously, the highlight of the match, the gift going around Twitter all this past week with uh, Strowman on the, it looked like he would be on the receiving end of a mid-moonsault, or a standing moonsault from Apollo Crews. Strowman kicks him in midair across the ring, which is a great friggin' visual. It was awesome. And then he wins the match. And then afterwards, Roman comes out, attempts him to throw, attempts to throw Strowman in the ambulance. He can't. Throws him off the stage instead, and Strowman stands up to end the show. So, uh, your thoughts on, on two things here, Sal. on the Apollo Cruz O'Neill 
Titus Worldwide brand or whatever they're calling it. It seems like it's getting better because they're turning O'Neal babyface. So he's not as obnoxious as he was before. And also your thoughts in the final sell for Strowman and Roman going into their ambulance match. Regarding Titus, um, yeah, no, Titus thing, um, I, I, um, I wouldn't say, like, I'm, like, interested, like, interested, but it's, it's, it's bearable. I can watch it and not be like, oh, get this guy off my TV, like I used to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, but Strowman and Lesnar, I mean, wow, not Strowman, Strowman and Reigns, I hope Strowman and Lesnar happens eventually, but, um, Strowman and Reigns, um, I'm actually interested in this feud, like, you know, I'm not the guy, like, I'm actually in the minority, I actually kind of, like Reigns, like, I wouldn't say I'm, like, he's my favorite, but I can, you know, he, he puts on decent work, and he has improved in the ring, but Strowman and Lesnar, I keep on saying Lesnar, oh my god. <laughs> uh, Strowman and Reigns um, is um, a fuse that's been going on for a few months, and I think it would have ended at um, um, Extreme Rules, but if Strowman hadn't got hurt, but I, I'm hoping this alien match delivers, and it's an alien match is something we haven't seen in quite a bit, and I think he's too... And um, can deliver in that match, and I'll get my prediction later. But um, they've been they've done a phenomenal job of making Strowman that um, monster, and haven't like when he lost the uh, range that fast lane. I thought maybe this might be it might have been the typical okay, build him up, and then he does nothing. But they've done a good job in recovering Strowman and making him a believable threat. And it's also cool, too, that they've closed Raw with different segments and feuds and all these different fresh faces. Since Extreme Rules happened over a month ago, it seems like every feud almost on the Great Balls of Fire card has gotten some sort of spotlight and shine via the main event on Raw, this week being Strowman and Reigns. Last week, the women with Banks and Alexa. The week before that, Enzo and Cass. We've had Joe and Lesnar in the main event. We had, you know, even Bray Wyatt attacking Seth Rollins in the main event of Raw uh, the night after Extreme Rules. So it's cool how they cycle people in and out. We're not seeing the same people in the main event every single week. And for as formulaic as Raw has become, they're kind of switching it up, um, you know, each and every week now. Since the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, Raw has been a bit better as each week has passed. Uh, that being said, before we go on to SmackDown and, of course, the ball, uh, Great Balls of Fire predictions later on, where is your anticipation level now, Sal, going into the show on a scale from 1 to 10? How excited would you say you are for the pay-per-view? Um, for Great Balls of Fire, I wouldn't say, like, you know, I want to say 10, maybe, like, 8. Like, I'm definitely more excited for uh, Great Balls of Fire than I was Extreme Rules, and I think that has a lot to do with um, Strowman. Stromer and Reigns and Andrews match, and uh, especially um, Lesnar and Samoa Joe. I think that was, those are two that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, but there hasn't been really a bit. The last time I was really, really excited for a pay per view was WrestleMania, because of course it's WrestleMania. But I really, you know, money in the bank, I was like, eh. Uh, and then um, I think Extreme Rules, I totally forgot Extreme Rules is that night. That's how excited I was for it. <laughs> yeah, and the Raw pay per views, by and large, have really not been. That great. I thought Payback was really, really well done. I thought that was a great show. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, like you said, Extreme Rules was... If I had to choose between good or bad, I would say it was good, but really on the low end of it, it wasn't that memorable of a show by and large, or at least not for the right reasons beyond the main event. And you have Roadblock, which was fucking... Or not Roadblock, Fastlane was atrocious. And then Roadblock and all the other ones, Hell in the Cell, even which I was at, which was not a good show. Clash of Champions. We have really beyond Payback... The Raw exclusive shows, we have yet to really have a, a strong show that everyone can agree was awesome. And even Payback, as strong as that show was, some people didn't like, you know, the House of Horrors match or whatever. So hopefully we don't get that on Sunday. We get a pretty strong show. Again, we'll get back to Great Balls of Fire and all the Raw talk soon enough. 
quick, uh, quick transition into SmackDown from last night, the 4th of July episode, of course, kicking off with the returning John Cena for the first time since WrestleMania 33, coming out talking about how he's uh, not a part-timer, he's an all-timer, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm here to knock down the new era guys from AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, blah, blah, blah. Put them all on notice. Essentially the same promo he's cut the past three fucking returns on SmackDown. And Cena's energy is great. His delivery is awesome. He's an awesome talker. I think people do not give him enough credit for being as great of a mic worker as he is. But this was literally the same exact promo I thought we heard back in December, back in October, last May when AJ came out. It's the same promo every single time. But we obviously got something different when Rusev came out, also making his grand return. Um, a lot later than people thought the last time we saw Rusev on TV, you know, beyond the vignettes and promos and shit from a few months ago that were forgotten about for whatever reason, was at Fastlane. He, that was, he got beaten by Big Show for whatever reason, and that was the last time we saw Rusev. Um, but he was back on this show, interrupting John Cena, saying, you're not, you know, Americans suck, blah, blah, blah. Typical USA versus Russia promo. The same shit we saw from these two two years ago, which was good then. At this point, I don't know, as a one-and-done type match on SmackDown, it would have been fine, but we're getting it at Battleground. Rusev and John Cena has been confirmed as a flag match. So, Sal, what are your thoughts on John Cena's first feud being back, being with Rusev? Do you think it's a bigger serving uh, as a bigger disservice for Rusev uh, and being back in the fold, but obviously serving as a stepping stone for John Cena before he likely challenges for the WWE title, for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam against Shinder Mahal. Um, I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, it's a feud revisited from uh, WrestleMania 31 and, uh, and going on from there, but um, it gives time for both of them to do. Rusev hasn't been around, and Rusev, I mean, I thought we were some of the people who said money your bank because he told Shane McMahon, I want a title shot at that pay per view, but he never got it. He never came out at all. So they kind of just did away with that. So I'm not sure if they're going to implement that into this feud because Rusev's saying he never got a title shot. I mean, they get a number of contenders should match for SummerSlam or Cena wins, of course. Um, but I don't know if they're... But like I said, um, that's, we haven't seen Rusev in a while. And when Cena came back, there really wasn't anyone. When you're looking at the roster, everyone pretty much was an SU. The only one I thought they could get was like a Dolph Ziggler or maybe like underdog Sami Zayn. But other than that, Rusev was probably the best choice. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. It seems like at this point, it was a logical feud to do coming back on the 4th of July. Um, hopefully beyond Battleground, they have something for Rusev to do. He's not just going in there to be, to, just to lose to John Cena. And the flag match, it's a weird match to do, because the last time we saw one of these was three years ago at SummerSlam between Rusev and Jack Swagger. And the idea we thought going in was that Swagger would not be beaten, he'd be protected in defeat, because you just have to grab the flag and it's over. But on that night, Rusev beat Swagger. He forced him to tap out or pass out, whatever. And uh, so I guess pinfalls and submissions do count in a flag match. I'm not really sure. Hopefully they, they clear up the, uh, the stipulations and the confusion before the show. But yeah, it was a newsworthy way to kick off the show. Two grand returns to SmackDown. SmackDown will be much better off. I mean, SmackDown's been good recently and it has been for a while. But uh, more star power the better with John Cena and Rusev back in the fold. Uh, to kick off the show, we had a qualifying match for the Independence Day Battle Royal between AJ Styles and Chad Gable, both of whom uh, Kevin Owens had complained about on Talking Smack last week, saying they didn't deserve a shot, so Daniel Bryan put them against each other, with the winner earning a spot in the Battle Royal later on in the night. Very good match here. Uh, AJ Styles winning, obviously, but 
not without some, you know, effort from uh, from Chad Gable, who had a strong showing in defeat. These two guys really killing it and showing great chemistry. And even AJ Styles praising Chad Gable today on Twitter earlier this morning or on Wednesday morning, whatever, um, about how tough of an opponent he was, how he underestimated him, and all this other stuff. So, a uh, high praise for Chad Gable following a showing against AJ Styles. So, uh, your thoughts here on the matchup, Sal, and also Chad Gable potentially breaking off in singles competition. Do you think this was testing the waters for a possible breakup of American Alpha so they could, you know, break Chad Gable off on his own? Um, I thought the match was great. You know, it, it kind of, like, Chad Gable, like, he had great matches at NXT. I mean, like, showed really what he had, but I don't think he had that opportunity just yet on the main roster. Like, he, he's treated with the Usos, like, you know, I think that's what it kind of started, but this match with AJ Styles is like phenomenal, and I, I think I, I don't know. I had a AJ Styles works. I can have a good match with just about anyone, but these guys just had you know they had a chemistry. They clicked like that, and um, but in regards to Chad Gable breaking up American Alpha, I don't think they can do that. I mean, if they are going that route, I mean, I I don't think they could have break up and don't pass. If they're going that route, then so I mean, let them. I don't think they should break up because SmackDown needs tag teams, and I don't know. But if they do, American Alpha hasn't been on TV in, like, what, since they lost the title somewhere around there? Yeah, definitely in a few months, yeah. So, I mean, it, it kind of, people, if they broke up, I know people would really care as much just because they haven't been on TV and haven't been used properly. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a longer shelf life as a tag team. Unlike Enzo and Cass, I mean, at least these guys, at least those guys were on TV. These guys have not been on TV for months, for at least in, you know three or four months. It's ridiculous. At least as a tag team, Chad Gable showing up in the U.S. Open Challenge against Kevin Owens a few weeks ago, had a very fun match. This week, losing to AJ Styles. Again, another very, very good match here, getting high praise from AJ. And Chad Gable also commented on the win, or loss, rather, on Twitter on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, I thought this was great. Hopefully we see more of Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, the feature on SmackDown. And hopefully this was really a turning point for American Alpha and even Chad Gable on his own, whatever you know, whatever route they end up going in, in terms of management, finally seeing him for the great talent in the ring that he is. So we'll see where they go from there, uh, from here with him beyond uh, this match with AJ. Naomi and Daniel Bryan interrupting the new Miss Money in the Bank, or old Miss Money in the Bank, I guess a two-time Miss Money in the Bank, Carmella who had talked about potentially cashing in soon on Naomi, blah, blah, blah. Naomi coming out with the new glowing SmackDown Women's Championship, which looks awesome. Daniel Bryan banning, or not banning, uh, suspending, that was last week, suspending James Ellsworth for 30 days. So he's out of the picture for the foreseeable future, thank God. And then Naomi went on to beat Lana in literally five seconds to retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. So a lot going on here, Sal. Uh, what do you think this means with James Ellsworth? Do you think that in his absence, Carmella will prove that she doesn't need him and that when he comes back, she'll kick him to the curb. And uh, also, what are your thoughts on the Lana experiment probably being over? I mean, I said it in an article as such on Sunday that the Lana experiment's probably over, and that was before they announced the rematch between the two for this coming Tuesday or yesterday or whatever, this past Tuesday. And uh, she lost again this time in five seconds. So it seems like Lana's days as a contender to the championship are over. So... A lot to discuss here, so what were your thoughts on the entire segment from both parties? Um, well, I thought the segment, you know, it's, it was pretty good. Um, getting rid of James Ellsworth is definitely, for 30 days at least, is pretty good. And, um, I mean, I, James Ellsworth is just annoying. Um, I'm surprised that guy lasted as long as he has. And, but in regards to him and either 
I have two routes that they can go where Carmella, she doesn't need Ellsworth. Like, she proves her point, and then when Ellsworth comes back, she takes it to the curb. Or, ultimately, um, when he does come back in that 30 days, that's exactly when she catches it. He helps her catch in, and then um, Daniel Bryan, like, then there's a big thing going on in SmackDown with Ellsworth being back and then come out with the camp. That so could work. That. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Um, I mean, if you want to go on that, then I'll go to my thoughts on the Lana thing. No, no, no. Yeah, go ahead with the Lana thing. We'll just discuss it all at once. Uh, and then Lana, like I said, I think the experiment's over, but then they had, um, I guess, they're maybe going the route of um, Tamina being her bodyguard or something. I don't know what that was. So... <laughs> I mean, if they do that, maybe go to meet a Naomi or, but I don't know where Alana goes from here just because she's lost in like, not, I don't even think she has like a five minute match. Her match at um, Money in the Bank was short, and then the two last SmackDown matches were like literally seconds. So, yeah, well, you said it right there. I forgot to mention it, I completely forgot. Not that I really care, but I'll ask you if you care. Do you have any interest? And seeing Tamina and Lana as a pairing, do you care about Tamina being in the title picture? Do you care about Tamina at all, really, is what I'm asking here? Uh, no. <laughs> like, honestly, like, like, I mean, when she, came, when she arrived on SmackDown, like, yeah, no, it was fun for her to do, but ultimately, I think, I don't see her getting the title. I mean, the only one, there's only a few women on SmackDown who I see really as viable options as champion, and one of them is Charlotte, the other one, Becky Lynch, and that's about it. And then maybe Carmella, I see, you know, in Carmella now that's yeah, and I can see her getting, you know, her shot at the championship or winning the title at some point down the road, maybe even a month from now. I mean, they're really heavily teasing a Naomi Carmella feed for the very near future. So if it's not at Battleground, it's probably going to be around SummerSlam, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, with Tamina, I assume she's really, again, just a filler feed for, with Naomi for Naomi before she faces off and gets cashed in on by Carmella, which is fine. I just could not give two shits about Tamina. So it looks like, I would say even Natalia. I mean, I don't even really care all that much about Natalia, but at least she's a better wrestler and she's got more credibility than Tamina. But it looks like they might be doing a Charlotte-Natalia feud based off what we saw in the ladder match last week, so I'm not really sure. But, um, yeah, hopefully Ellsworth is is long gone. When he gets back, hopefully they, yeah. they kick him to the curb. Like you said, I'm shocked he's lasted this long, but reportedly he had signed a two-year contract late last year. Why they would do that, I have no idea. Because they had to know he had a very short shelf life beyond the underdog thing and the thing with AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, which wasn't really all that entertaining to begin with. It was it was fucking people liked him for a day, and then beyond that it was like, oh, get this guy off my TV. But, yeah, I don't know. That's a whole other issue for another day. Speaking of which, um, yes. next segment, though, we had uh, the wrap-off. Uh, the very well-received wrap-off between the New Day and the Usos from last night um, that a lot of people were not expecting to be good. I, I was looking forward to it. I, I saw some people online that said, oh, I thought it would, it would be a train wreck, it would be terrible. And I don't know where that was coming from. I didn't see anyone shitting on it before it even happened. But anyway, so people came away from this really liking what they heard. Uh, it was hosted by Wale, and uh, there were a lot of digs in there from Kofi Kingston's fake Jamaican accent to them, uh, to the New Day calling the Usos the, uh, they were carrying Roman Reigns' bags and how Jimmy Uso was on Total Divas and obviously the Usos making light of Xavier Ward's sex tape with Paige and calling him rated R, which was by far the line of the night. Um, this whole thing I thought was really entertaining. Again, I don't know what it really did to get people more excited about a rematch, but for what it was, the wrap-off, dissing contest, whatever you want to call it, Personally, I was thoroughly entertained. I thought it was really, really well done. Wale, I thought, was great in his role here as well. 
Uh, so what were you expecting from this cell and did it, did you come away from it satisfied from what you heard about it or what you heard from oh. this rap off or whatever? Um, I thought the, I, I didn't go in like dreading it just because they're, I knew it would be entertaining just because he has a new name. So they're, they're entertaining regardless face, heel, whatever. So I knew it was going to be entertaining and, you know, I went away with it as like, you know, a good laugh, but like, you know, it didn't really do anything to like be more invested into a feud, I would say, but you know, it was fun, like, that was enjoyable, I would say. Yeah, it was good. Again, it was it got people talking. Twitter was blown up with all the insults between these two. I mean, they're both both teams are great mic workers, so you had to know it was going to be fun in some form or fashion. And that's exactly what it was, especially on a holiday show. I mean, it's way better than the the usual the usual holiday shit we get on Raw and SmackDown every single year. So, for what it was, it was nothing like no title match or anything. But for what it was, it was fun. And that's all you can really ask from stuff like this. Uh, after that, we had Randy Orton and Aiden English. Aiden English winning, beating Randy Orton, albeit by disqualification, but he still owns a victory over Randy Orton, Aiden English does. And uh, after Orton completely beat the shit out of the guy via a chair and at ringside, whatever, Jinder Mahal came out talking about the USA, and Orton retorted. Again, typical USA versus foreigner stuff, the evil foreigner storyline. Literally almost the same exact thing we heard earlier from Rusev and, uh, from Rusev and John Cena. So, really nothing new here. The feud I still don't really care about. I'm interested to see what they do in the Punjabi prison. Although, I expect it's going to be a train wreck. But, uh, yeah, any brief thoughts here, Sal, on the continuation of the feud between Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal on Tuesday night? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm really interested in it just because this is going to be a third time now. The Punjabi prison adds to it just because we haven't seen a Punjabi prison in 10 years now. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I will say I'm looking forward to that to see where they go. Um, and it gives, um, and it makes sense just because you really can't have a Punjabi prison, like, with people, someone who isn't, like, Jinder Mahal or, like, how they had the great color. You can't just have a Punjabi prison on nowhere. You can't be like, oh, Randy Orton, you're facing John Cena in Punjabi prison. Like, mm-hmm. it makes no, absolutely no sense. Yeah. So, I think it, this is the end of the Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal a few, thank God. And I, I expect Jinder Mahal to come away somehow with the title, but I just can't wait for it to be over. And, the typical America hates me, America this, America that. I'm just annoyed by it because it seems like every foreigner says it, but the thing is, the crowd buys it, so they keep doing it. That's exactly it. I mean, he just cuts the same promos every single week. When he switches it up, he's good, but it's the same shit we hear every single week. I, you hate me because my skin... He literally like says the same lines every single week. You hate me because my skin color, because I talk differently, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh my God. Like Orton said, I mean, the whole thing about we don't hate you because you're skin color, we hate you because you're a jackass. No, I hate you because you're boring and you're saying the same shit every single week. And like you said, but it's, he's still getting heat, he's still getting booed, so that's why they're they're keeping the title on him, as they should. I mean, they, they shouldn't put the belt back on Orton at the Battleground show. It would have been a complete waste. Why take the title off him to begin with? So hopefully they have Orton, or rather Mahal, escape the pay-per-view with the title intact. Um, but anyway, the main event on this show, the Independence Day Battle Royal, with a winner earning a future shot, the, Univi- uh, the uh, Unified, uh, the United States Championship, rather, at the Battleground show later this month. Uh, pretty ho-hum average Battle Royal up until the end of that. It was pretty fun with Dillinger, surprisingly, who uh, returned finally after all this time. He came back, was among the final three with AJ and Sami Zayn. Uh, AJ winning by throwing out Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens comes in. They brawl a bit. AJ, last man standing. And also during the Battle Royal, we had some tension teased between uh, Zack Ryder and Mojo Raleigh, the Hyperos. So expect a split between those two in the very near future. 
Uh, so what were your takeaways here, Sal, from the Battle Royal, your thoughts on the impending split between Ryder and Raleigh? Are you looking forward to that? Who do you think is going to heal? And uh, AJ earning his shot, another shot, at the U.S. title at the Battleground pay-per-view. Um, in regards to the split of the high pros, um, I think it's better for Ryder, but not better for Mojo, because I feel like Mojo needs Ryder more than Ryder needs Mojo. Ryder can go places without Mojo, but um, I think, I mean, Mojo's your, uh, I hate to say it, but he's your um, Memorial Battle Royal winner regardless, and I, I'm, so I mean, I'm surprised that they haven't done more with him. Just because I think it was more of just you know, um, get on casting in the show, but I, I don't see Mojo going anywhere after the split. I think they want to kind of make a Ryder a single competitor. But in regards to the Battle Royal, I think it was especially that AJ Styles was one. I mean, everyone saw it coming, but I'm glad that he did, and um, I'm a, it's actually a few that I'm excited for continuing Owens and AJ Styles, and hopefully maybe AJ Styles can pick up the belt um, at Battleground, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty good chance we could see it happen. We could see a title change at the show, and uh, hopefully we see a third match at SummerSlam. It'd be kind of weird that they transitioned out of AJ and Owens into AJ and someone else, which brings me to my next point, which we were going to talk about earlier. I know this is something you really wanted to discuss, as do I do as well. Um, It's been rumored, along with Brock and Roman, which we talked about earlier, and the plan's possibly changing. So it seems like, not that it's a lock, it's never really confirmed until until it's announced by WWE, and it's still early July. Anything can change in the next month. But it would seem for me uh, to be really, really dumb to do AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura at SummerSlam. Again, it would be an amazing match. Um, I don't think anyone would complain about seeing it, but I think there would be some complaints from, from myself and I'm sure other people as well, including you, Cell, in regards of it happening so soon at SummerSlam, a match that should be safe for WrestleMania. And SummerSlam is the next biggest show after WrestleMania. I get that, but now is not that time. I think the... The seeds planted and money in the bank were awesome, but it's still too soon. I mean, you have Nakamura and Corbin going at it. Doing a one-and-done type match at Battleground would be a complete waste. And then having doing AJ and Owens again, if they want to finish up the feud there, that's fine. But I really feel like they deserve a third match at SummerSlam, maybe like a step match or something. That would be great. Just the timing. And for what? Like, why would they even face off? Again, I know they have their history and whatnot, but it's not like a championship is on the line. It would just be really, really forced. So, um, so I want to get your two cents. Do you think it's way too soon for them to be doing Styles and Nakamura in WWE at SummerSlam? I think it's way too soon. Um, like, especially just because they're both red hot faces right now. Especially AJ Styles. You, and the only one who can really turn heel in this. I mean, you can do a face for face, but let's, I think AJ Styles has to be the heel going into the match. AJ Styles is just so goddamn over, regardless of face or heel. But and I think it'll just be too rushed and I. And you could do Nakamura, AJ Styles at SummerSlam, not for the title, and still do that for the title at WrestleMania. But I think the ultimate end goal has to be knocking AJ at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. And I, I even thought of an idea. I think they should do, and if you want to have Nakamura kind of get out of his Baron Corbin, he's bad. Maybe do Tina Nakamura at SummerSlam, then have AJ Styles as the United States Champion, go at the American Hero, per se, quote-unquote, going against WWE Champion Jinder Mahal. I could see that. I could definitely see that happening. I would be totally fine with AJ taking that title from Jinder and then keeping that belt on AJ through WrestleMania. I mean, I understood why they took the title off him to begin with earlier this year against Cena to give him the big 16 or, yeah, the 16 or 17, whatever. Yeah, it was the 16th. 
and then give the belt to Bray and Norton and now Mahal. But none of them have really done anything as champion for me. Like, wow, I'm so happy this guy is champion. Like, it was a cool moment for Bray, but the guy's a loser. We all know that. And Mahal's, he's he's getting better, but he doesn't really seem like the guy that you want to focus your show around. And the same thing with Orton. So AJ's that guy. He's by far the most over and the most talented guy in the ring on that on, on SmackDown Live, on that blue brand. So to put that belt back on him in time for SummerSlam would be great. You could do Styles and Orton in the fall. You could do Styles and pretty much anyone else in the roster. Leading up to Styles and Nakamura at WrestleMania. Just right now is not that time. And like you said, Nakamura and Cena would be a fine substitute for SummerSlam. Um, that one I would not be so mad about not happening at WrestleMania. Them doing that at SummerSlam would be pretty damn cool. So we'll see where they go with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we won't really know until after Battleground is over. Until AJ has won or lost U.S. Championship, or you know what what Corbin's up to with Nakamura. I guess we'll you know time will tell. But as of right now, it does look like Styles and Nakamura. Uh, one more thing, I was gonna go back onto the Jinder Mahal AJ. I mean, yeah, go ahead. You could, do, you could have AJ win the United States Championship in Kevin Owens, and then kind of do a finish it rivalry over on SmackDown, and then have a, a title for title um, at SummerSlam, and then there's a chance that Jinder Mahal can't take the U.S. title. And he said, "No, I own America," and like do the whole thing. It, it, I can see this working. Like. I think, and then AJ Styles, of course, you know. I, I would much rather see AJ Styles take that title off than, Jinder, than John Cena. Because um, I don't think John Cena needs that 17th win. I mean, it's going to happen eventually, but I don't think SummerSlam is place. No, I agree. Like, just for them to even do it at the Rumble, for them to have had done the title change at the Rumble with John Cena... In retrospect, in retrospect, it was a complete waste. I mean, the match was amazing with Cena and, and Styles. And the moment was cool. People cheered shockingly. But um, he lost the belt in two weeks. And then he never got a one-on-one rematch. So it's like, what the fuck was the point? I know they wanted to give him his little moment, whatever. But they could have saved that for later down the line when he got a, light, when he got a longer, much longer reign of the championship than he did back in, um, back in January. So... That was really silly, um, but I guess we'll see where they go with that. I do like that idea a lot by putting the belt on AJ. I mean, I want the U.S. title to be a focal point, but it does make sense in storyline with Jinder wanting the U.S. championship and to be an Indian United States champion. It makes perfect sense. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be pretty damn cool going into SummerSlam, so I guess we'll see how it kind of shapes up and what they do with John Cena. Cena Nakamura would be cool. And, um, yeah, the only thing I can see is... Um Cena's not going to be here, let's be honest. Cena is on the schedule of like three months off, three months off, Steve. So Cena's yeah. going to win the belt and then get cashed in by on Corbin very shortly after, or even the night of SummerSlam if he wins. Exactly. And I exactly, think, yeah. And I think Corbin I think Corbin needs to establish himself more as the money bank and more as the singles better. Like Corbin is, I'm a fan of Corbin, but I don't, I don't think, I think putting him the belt on him at SummerSlam is too soon. And I, I don't think it would. I think it would hurt him more than help him more in the long run. Absolutely, like them putting the belt on Carmella anytime soon would be fine with me, just because they've been heavily teasing it with Strowman. I mean, she needs work too. But Stro or not Strowman, Baron Corbin. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think the best time for him to cash in would be either be later this year or in early 2018. Like right now is not that time. He needs more seasoning. Hopefully, the feed of Shinsuke Nakamura will do him some favors. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But yeah, this right now for having to cash in would be way too soon. I didn't even think about that. Having Cena win the belt and having Corbin cash in would be pretty damn cool. So I would be in favor of that. But um, yeah, again, anything can change between now and SummerSlam. So I guess we'll see how the SummerSlam card shapes up. But before we get to SummerSlam, this Sunday, 
Raw presents the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, the first ever inaugural event in the Great Balls of Fire uh, event history. We'll go through the predictions pretty quickly here, but on the kickoff show, we have for the Cruiserweight Championship, Neville defending against Akira Tozawa. Uh, so does the Cruiserweight Championship come to the tightest worldwide brand sale, or does Neville's reign continue? Um, Neville Reign is continuing to see, like the Neville kind of overshadows everyone in the Cruiserweight division, and I don't see anyone in the near future taking it off him, except for maybe Cedric Alexander, or, but there really is just nobody that's touching Neville right now. Yeah, no one comes close. I like Akira a lot. I think he's getting over a lot more than most of the other Cruiserweights, but um, just now does not feel like the right time for Neville to be dethroned as champion. Um, so yeah, I say Neville retains here and then, you know, lasts longer as champion until hopefully, like you said, Cedric Alexander throws him later on, you know, in the year, whether it's SummerSlam or whenever. Uh, so after that for, let's see what match we got next. There's a lot of good matches here. I don't know what to, which to go with next. Uh, Miz and Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship for seemingly the millionth time, but hopefully this is the end of the line of this feud. Uh, who do you got going over, Cell? Do you think we get a new champion on Sunday or does the Miz retain his championship? When I was making my predictions a little bit earlier, I was—I I had a tough time deciding who was going, but I ultimately went with Miz. And I think um, we're going to see—I think we're going to see um, Slater and Rhino and um, out there as long as Curtis Axel and um, Paul Dallas. So I think they'll play into the match. And then I—but I think maybe the stretch will finish. And hopefully, I, I don't want the feud to continue. But I think Miz wins, and hopefully, I pray. Hopefully, again, Ambrose, I think, would be best as the EO right now. I think that's the, again, not the only thing, but definitely probably the best way to rejuvenate his stale character. Um, so do Miz and, you know, Ambrose here. Ambrose loses, he gets fed up, and they turn him heel. Or they do a Shield reunion, and he goes heel after that. I'm not really sure what they have planned, but that would be pretty cool too. But yeah, Slater and Rhino getting involved in this match would be pretty academic. And then maybe you have Maurice help Miz beat Ambrose. And that ties up that storyline, too. I know they were teasing tension between Miz and Maurice for quite some time. That was dropped the past two weeks, which, I don't know, is a good thing or a bad thing. I want them to stay together, but for them to not follow up on the heat there is a little weird. But uh, maybe you have Maurice finally show that they were in cahoots all along and whatever, and uh, Maurice helps Miz retain the title. So I guess we'll see. But either way, the end game here should be Miz retaining the Intercontinental Championship. He is a way better IC champion than Ambrose was. So him retaining the title just makes sense. So Miz retains the championship. I think we both agree on that. Uh, Enzo Amore versus Big Cass for the first time ever. I'm sure the first of many matches these two will have. But for right now, Sal, who do you got going over in the initial encounter? So this may be a surprise, but I got Enzo going over... Cass is going to dominate most of the match, and then I can see a fall, like, either Cass is so, like, you know, maybe a 10 count, or maybe, like, you know, Cass is, like, beating him in the corner, and then, uh, or, you know, the ref counts to five, and he gets secured, or a roll-up finish. So I have Enzo going over, only further fuming Cass's, um, you know, heel turn, and then he attacks Enzo after the match. I agree and I disagree. I do. I think Big Cass wins, but I agree that it'll be some sort of disputed finish. I'm not going to say a roll-up, but I could see what you had said earlier about him punching him in the corner and then getting disqualified, or even a non-finish. He just beats the living shit out of him, like a la Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn from TakeOver Rival from a few years ago, and the match ends that way. Either, either way, we all know the feud's continuing, and uh, Big Castle, even if Enzo wins, he beats the shit out of him afterwards. Either way, I think Enzo gets his ass kicked on Sunday regardless, but I do have Big Castle winning the match. 
Uh, Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, a match that with nothing on the line, I'm not really sure who could give two flying shits about the match, but no step, nothing on the line, Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt straight up. And the match they had on Raw a few months ago was all right. It was nothing special, so I, I this is probably the match I'm least looking forward to on Sunday, but for what it is, um, I'm going to say Bray Wyatt wins because he usually wins, sometimes anyway. The first match in a series of matches in a feud, and then he loses in the end. So I'm going to say uh, Bray Wyatt wins here, but uh, what say you, Sal? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Rollins here, just because, you know, I mean, Rollins, people, I see people saying all the time, and I kind of agree that Rollins really, as a face right now, like, he's not lost steam, I would per se, and he's, he's a much better deal, but I think Rollins needs some, you know, credible wins and stuff, and then maybe eventually meet Lesnar or Rain. Just if the thing does happen at SummerSlam, um, oh, for the Universal Title, but Rollins, I have Rollins going over here. Yeah, like you said with Rollins, the weird thing with him right now is that I think he's a good babyface. He's popular. He's over. But the weird thing with him is that he just doesn't really have direction right now. I think that's probably why he was doing some great work going into WrestleMania, coming out of WrestleMania with Samoa Joe, because it made sense. He wanted to avenge being kicked out of the authority, um, so he did that at WrestleMania. He wanted to avenge the injury at the hands of Samoa Joe uh, from earlier this year. He did that. They finished up that feud. So what's next? He has no motivation. It's not like... I mean, I would get it if he went back in the title picture. You can't do that right now, but he's, he's just not. Um, but I guess that would probably be when he gets back on track, when he says, I want my championship back, and I haven't held it in over a year, blah, 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 I've yet to hold the Universal Championship, so hopefully that's when he starts to get direction again, and some more focus than he has in his Bray Wyatt feud, which has completely just been, I don't want to say a waste of time, but it's really not utilizing Rollins to his full potential, but I will say Wyatt wins, you said Seth Rollins goes over, for the Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss defends against Sasha Banks. Again, kind of playing off what we said earlier, Sal. Do you think Alexa Bliss retains here, or do you think Sasha Banks wins to kind of maybe set up, or I guess it doesn't have to happen this way, but do you think Sasha wins to set up a rematch with Alexa at SummerSlam, or even a four-way, or a three-way, rather, with Bailey or even Banks and Bailey straight up? Who do you got going over here? Um, so I have um, Blitz going over. I mean, I could see Sasha winning because I don't know if you heard. I guess she's nominated for some MBT, MTV thing. So I, I see them. I see her winning just so WWE can maybe get that uh, credibility of her Sasha winning that. But I, I do ultimately have Blitz going over here, and um, maybe I don't know where she. But the only thing with that is I don't know where Blitz goes after that. Maybe continue the rivalry with Sasha or do a four way, like you said. But I do have Blitz going over. Yeah, again, like I said earlier, I just don't think Banks and Bailey would be cool, but right now it just makes no sense because Bailey has done absolutely nothing to deserve a title shot. Banks is the top baby face right now, with Bliss is the top heel. So to turn Sasha heel with Bailey just not meaning much right now would be silly. And then nothing happens with Alexa. I mean, she has to get a rematch. It would have to be a triple threat. It's just it's very distorted right now. But uh, Banks has gotten a ton of momentum in recent weeks, beating Alicia Fox or winning the Extreme Rules mixed tag team match winning the Raw Gauntlet women's match um, a few weeks back, and also beating Bliss on Monday night in tag team action. So all signs point to Alexa Bliss retaining, and I think she does. Uh, for the tag team titles, the Raw Tag Team Championship, another match that seems like it will be the end of the line for this feud. It's going to be Cesaro and Sheamus defending the Raw Tag Titles against the Hardy Boys in a 30-minute Iron Man tag team match. Now, I don't think we've ever seen a tag team Iron Man match in WWE. I could be wrong. Like a formal Iron Man match. 
So, which is amazing. And I think if any two teams could bring the best out of each other, make the most of the stipulation, it's the Hardy Boys and Cesaro and Sheamus who've had a, a series of awesome matches over the past few months. So I'm really looking forward to this. It should be a great match. Um, I do think the Hardy Boys take the titles, not only because they know it was rumored that Sheamus is going to film the movie, which is confirmed. That's not rumored. But it was rumored they might take the titles off them so he can go film the movie because he won't be around. But I think if only because... There's literally no babyface teams left. They have Slater and Rhino. Who cares, though? And they broke up Enzo and Cass. And Golden Truth are gone, too. So they have no real babyface teams on the roster other than the Hardy Boys. But on the heel side, you have Cesaro and Sheamus. You have, you know, the club, if they're still face. I'm not really sure. Gallows and Anderson. You have the Revival. So they have a bunch of teams. The Miztourage. They have a bunch of teams for the Hardy Boys to work with. So I'm going to say the Hardy Boys regain the Rod Tag Titles on Sunday. Uh, so who do you see walking away with the Tag Titles at Great Balls of Fire Cell? Um, I'm saying the Hardys as well. Just because, not, and I, not just because Seamus is going to film that movie. I heard that as well. But uh, more or less, just because the Hardys are the red hot face, you know, they're, the Hardys are back. And I and the only reason I think the Hardys walked the titles in the first place just because Matt Hardy was having this kid. That's mm-hmm. why I think they did take the titles off him, but I do see the Hardys regaining the tag team titles. Yeah, as do I. I think that was probably why they... In the freshen up the few, too, it would have been weird if the Hardy boys won all three matches. It would have done nothing for Cesaro and Sheamus, but... You know, kept the feud going. The feud's been good. All the matches have been awesome. And the Hardy Boys, like you said, are the red-hot team right now. And also a brief update on the broken stuff. It was reported earlier this week or late last week, whatever, that uh, I guess they are getting very close to a deal between Matt Hardy and Anthem or Impact or whoever the hell the deal is between. Uh, He had tweeted something about it at one point a few days ago, which is encouraging news for people who want to see the broken stuff in WWE, myself included. So hopefully we do see broken Matt and maybe even... I don't know if you saw, but Jeff Hardy tweeted, I think it was either late last night or this morning, um, mm-hmm. 7, 7, 7 17, 17, which is a Monday Night Raw. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is, but he, he, he posted a date, 7, 17, 17. You know what I think that date is uh, in regards to, though? That's when uh, it, that's when his album comes out, I think. I heard him talk uh, about that on Talk is Jericho. I think he said that the uh, that's when his new album comes out with his band on July 17th. So that would be cool. I mean, it could, it could happen on July 17th. You never know, but it would be pretty sweet. Uh, seeing as how July 17th is my favorite day of the year, that'd be pretty damn sweet if it happened on that day that we see the Broken Hardys on Monday Night Raw in two weeks. But uh, I guess we'll still have to hold out hope. So, we, you know, time will tell. But we're getting closer. We're getting closer to the, uh, to the wonderful Hardy Boys being in WWE as the Broken Hardys. And uh, we get to our final two matches here. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman in an ambulance match. Uh, Sal, who do you got going over here? Do you think this is another end of the line for this rivalry? A lot like uh, most of the other feuds on the show. Do you think this is the last we will see of Roman and Braun for the foreseeable future? I think this is the last we will see of um, Reigns and Strowman for the foreseeable future. And I think the ambulance match is the perfect way to end it just because when Strowman originally took them over in the ambulance and stuff, so this is definitely... And like you said, too, I mean, as you, as you had mentioned earlier, the first ambulance match that we've had in um, quite a while, I want to say the last ambulance match we had, I thought was gonna, I thought was Cena and Ryback, but I think Ambrose and Bray Wyatt had one on Raw, like two years ago, is that correct? Do you remember? I remember that match, I think that might have been the last one, because there's nothing that um, sparks my attention, other than about Ryback Cena, about after WrestleMania 29. 
Yeah, so there's probably the last ones. We've had two in the past uh, few years, and they were all right. And uh, Roman and Braun, for as much shit as people give Roman Reigns, they have good chemistry. The payback match was great. The fast lane match was great. Um, so I expect this match to be really good. I mean, it's an ambulance match. It's not a standard singles match, and they might be hindered by a stip- the, the stipulation. I'm not really sure. I guess we'll see. But um, I expect it to be good. And you said Roman Reigns goes over? Yes, I have Roman Reigns going over, not just because uh, the rumors of uh, Lesnar and him going out early, just because I do see, I just don't see them. Uh, I could see Sean getting the upper hand, but I, I ultimately just see Reigns getting the upper hand and moving on from there. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I did also see the reports of Roman facing Brock at SummerSlam, but for whatever reason, I just think Braun's going over here. Um, but even if they don't do Bra- uh, Roman and Brock at SummerSlam, I don't know. I mean, we could get... It's, it's really weird right now. At SummerSlam, we could get Brock and Roman. We could get Brock and Strowman. We could get Brock and Joe, for all we know, if they want to continue the feud, as they should, because the feud's been awesome. So there's a lot of different possibilities there um, with regards to who they want to face Brock at the next show. I'm going to stick with Strowman just because not only do I think he needs not needs to win, but I think it would help. Um, he's doing great work right now. He's probably the top heel on the show beyond Joe and Lesnar, maybe even more so than either one of those guys just because he's been doing amazing work and people are buying him as a dominant heel. Um, so I, I think Strowman should win here. I'm not very confident in my pick, but I'm going to say Strowman. And then we get to the main event. Or Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, no. I, I, I could, like you said, I could see Strowman winning um, in Reigns. I think this is actually the hardest match to predict just because it's almost split for me. Like, Reigns has a little bit of edge because I, I think when they were having their, um, like I said, if the match is going to happen at Extreme Rules, I think that's what Reigns is going to pick up his um, win after Strowman um, decimated him at payback. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think it's kind of where they want to end this. So I but like I said, I, I, I almost agree with your pick as well as Strowman because it's just so close. Yeah, it could very well go either way. A lot of these matches could go either way, which is what I like about this card. And then in the main event, for the Universal Championship, Brock Lesnar defending against Samoa Joe, first time ever. A dream match for many, again, myself included. I'm really, really looking forward to this match, as I'm sure you are as well, Sal. Uh, again, a month ago we would have said Brock wins, LOL, there's no chance Joe wins, but... After what we've seen in the past month, and I've read reports, as I'm sure you have as well, about how management might change their mind about Joe and his potential push as a main event player, and it's more than a one-and-done time match, if he gets, not gets over, but if the feud gets hot and it's, you know, it's popular, and all their segments that they've had on Raw in the past month have gotten like millions and millions of views on YouTube and all this other stuff, which is very encouraging to read about and hear about and stuff like that, so... I'm not going to say Joe will win. I think he should win. I think it'd be awesome, and it'd be a great way to kind of shake up Raw and really, you know, give it that unpredictable feel it's been missing for a while now. I don't think he does, though. I say Brock retains. But, again, I would not count out Samoa Joe, and the match itself should be great. I mean, again, as long as it's not a 10-second suplex suplex city squash, um, it should be a dominant, entertaining brawl. If it's anything like Brock and Cena from, uh, from Extreme Rolls from five years ago, or Brock versus even CM Punk. I mean, CM Punk was a much smaller competitor. But um, they had an awesome match. Probably, in my opinion, Brock's last really, really, really great match at SummerSlam four years ago. But anyway, the match should be a good sell. Who do you think walks away as the new Universal Champion, Samoa Joe or Brock Lesnar? I do have Lesnar going over, but I don't think it's going to be a squash match. I think 
Joe, I, I think the way they should book this match is um, Joe has the upper hand on Lesnar for most of the match just because they've been, the way they've been booking Joe over the week, a couple weeks, and then Lesnar kind of not comes back like last minute, but Lesnar is starting to come back. And you see, like, work Lesnar kind of like, I wouldn't say as a baby face, but have Joe just kind of dominating him most of the match where you think Joe is going to win that Lesnar, you know, comes back. I could see that. I could see that. I would love to see Joe be dominant throughout the match, which we have never seen before. Other than the the Goldberg squash from Survivor Series, we've never seen Brock get his ass handed to him by anybody. The Orton match, which we talked about earlier, he got squashed in eight minutes. Orton did, not Lesnar. Lesnar maybe took one RKO and that was it. Um, just a really, I don't know, a lot of his matches have been pretty boring just because they're the same thing every single month. But um, with the Samoa Joe match, if they give him enough offense and they make Joe look like an equal to Brock Lesnar, this could be a very good, engaging, hard-hitting, physical match. Uh, you know, brawl, really. A war, I guess, is the best way to describe this bout. So we'll see what they do. But I think regardless, Brock Lesnar walks out with a title in tow, heading into SummerSlam as the Universal Champion. Um, but that being said, overall, Sal, any other predictions, bowl predictions, uh, thoughts, anticipation level going into Great Balls of Fire on Sunday? Um, like my expectation levels, I'm actually hyped, like I said, in quite a while. And I do think um, those matches that aren't confirmed do happen on the card. Maybe at least they'll, they'll make an appearance in some form or fashion. Unless it's maybe like a segment or, like you said, ultimately a match like Goldust uh, and R-Truth and um, Elias Samson and um, Tim Balor. And then um, if those matches do happen, I have Balor go over and I have Goldust go over. Yeah, same, same. I, I think those two parties go over as well if the matches happen. I'm looking at the card right now. We have nine or eight matches, rather, um, including the kickoff. So doing eight matches on the main card, I guess they could get away with it, depending on how match, how long each match goes. We already have a 30-minute Ironman match, so I'd be shocked if they added any more matches, but they always could if they wanted to. If they wanted to do Balor and Drifter real quick in the kickoff, I think everyone would be okay with that. It's an hour-long kickoff, so they could afford to do two matches on that show. Um, but either way, it, look, it looks... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, exactly, and that's not including entrances and video packages and stuff like that. So hopefully those matches do get the time they deserve and they don't cut them short. Because uh, Brock and Joe deserves more than five minutes like we saw with Goldberg and Lesnar at WrestleMania or Brock and Ambrose or Brock and Orton. You know, name any match of Lesnar's in the past two years, and they've always been really, really, really brief. So hopefully they get the time they deserve. Um, but yeah, overall, very solid show on paper. I'm looking forward to the show on Sunday. But that being said, Sal, it's been great talking to you about Great Balls of Fire, Raw, SmackDown, awesome having you back on the show for the first time in over a year. The 2017 Royal Rumble game winner. Hopefully you can go uh, two straight years as a winner next year. I guess we'll see. But uh, in the meantime, though, anything you'd like to plug? Anything else you'd like to uh, get off your chest before we uh, head off into the sunset here? Uh, no, I think we hit everything. You know, like I said, we slept a little bit of the SummerSlam things we've been hearing. Uh, and I, I'm excited for this Sunday. And um, if anything, you know, just... Follow me at the Wrestle Guy, um, Twitter, of course, and um, other than that, that's about it. Sounds good, my man. Again, follow him on the Twitter machine at the Wrestle Guy. Sal, always a great time talking, and I'll catch you on the road, my friend. Yeah.
Yeah, and no, I'll see you. And one more thing, uh, maybe this summer we should try. I got. I want to at least try and get on SCSM. I know we say it every year, but I, I need mm-hmm. to get on that. Stuff. Yes, dude. I know. It's all. It's crazy to think about. It. It's been over a year since we first met at the page and Mark Henry signing. That was last a year ago, last month, which is yeah. crazy to me. They went back this year. Guess who went there? Bailey went there this year. Oh, do you, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I I didn't find out about it until three days later. Oh, fucking hell! God damn it! That really makes me mad. Damn it! It's not your fault. I really wish I knew about no, that. Damn yeah, it! No, my mom never. Yeah, my mom never told me like three days later, and I thought it was Bailey and Mark Henry went back, but it was Bailey instead of Paige because of all the things that are going on with Paige before, so. Yeah. Oh, man, that makes me so mad. Oh, I almost wish you didn't tell me that because now I regret not knowing because I could have met Bailey. Oh, my God. That's like the third time I could have met Bailey, but I didn't. I will get my chance one day. I will get my chance. We will soon see. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. But, yeah, like you said, we'll get you on hashtag AskJSM at some point, certainly. I'll be seeing John soon, I'm sure, so hopefully we can get you on the show in the area for schedules lineup, that'd be great. Um, we gotta get a uh, a three man booth, a lot better than the three man booth we see on SmackDown and Raw and all this other oh, yeah. shit. So uh, it, it's definitely gonna be great. Hashtag book it. But in the meantime, a friend, have a good one. Enjoy the show on Sunday, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, have a good one. All right, dude. See ya. And once again, thanks to Sal for coming on the show. We are going to have him on last week. Didn't really work out, but great to have him on the show this week talking all things Raw, SmackDown, Great Balls of Fire, and everything else in between. As for me, you guys can check me out on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. On YouTube as well at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And of course, new episodes of WrestleRant Radio uploaded every Thursday right here on NextAirWrestling.net. Uh, good news, it looks like I will be off from work this coming Sunday for Great Balls of Fire, so looking forward to watching the show live, hopefully with John, fingers crossed. Uh, so we'll see what we can do to work out, maybe a potential live viewing session together on Sunday night at the John Residence. But in the meantime, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Love wrestling. It's an awesome time to be a fan as the summer heats up. I'm Graham Giusa Matthews. Hope you enjoyed your Independence Day this past week, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Thanks.